you allow him to turn the corner, mama, there goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good. Kyrie Irving. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast, your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the First Pick Podcast. Free agency is done, basically wrapping up already. The draft is done. Uh, We're still waiting on some major trades to happen, if they're even going to happen. But as promised, for the next 30 episodes, we are going to be doing team breakdowns, essentially. We're going to be going over what this team went into the offseason, what did they hope to accomplish did they accomplish it uh what do they still need to work on and you know what i think their ceiling is and what i think their floor is we're going to be going through every team uh every team alphabetically so today's episode will be about the atlanta hawks and what they did at the basically start of free agency so bear with me i'm still you know learning the teams and you know because a lot of minor transactions happened and we kind of need to see who went where so we kind of got this side by side next to us while I explain it to you the Atlanta Hawks are an interesting team they finished last year as the seventh seed one in the plan uh they played against Boston but they ultimately lost in six games I mean I'm kind of surprised they took it to six they had that whole thing with DeJounte Murray that he couldn't play in one of the games they won end up back in Atlanta Obviously, they were never favored to win that series in Atlanta. They had a ton of, uh, you know, in the offseason, kind of like what's going to happen. And I feel like they answered not a lot of questions. They had a pretty low offseason. Now, I'm going to go over the stuff they did in June and July. And then after that, we're going to be going to like their overall roster. And then we'll go over the predictions and such and who I think will, you know, have a you know season for them this upcoming season. So June was pretty quiet. They added a bunch of player coaching development people to their staff, Mike Bree, Steve Klee, uh, most notably that Igor Kokskov, most notably known for like working with Luca, you know, he was Luca's coach uh, back when he was over there in Europe. So they added him to the coaching staff, player development, Epke Udo, former NBA player, um, so it, it was a real coaching change, but we kind of expected that they hired Quinn Snyder, who I think is a great coach for them. Uh, he's going to give them a real identity. And I think that's something Atlanta has lacked. They have the personnel, but they lack the personality. Uh, if you're a good NBA team, you kind of are known for something. And Atlanta, they're not really known for anything good. Rather, they're just known for making headlines and the wrong reasons. So, you know, an- another guy that they can get in there is Quinn Snyder. Just go in there, set a tone, set a culture play with a sort of like pride in a sense. You know what I mean? I I really do like this hiring for them. I like the staff that they got. I think it can work out really good coaching staff wise. The moves do start July 6th though. They signed guard Seth Lundy and Miles Norris to two-way contracts. Two out of their three two-way contract spots are filled. Seth Lundy is a really good shooter. Miles Norris, I don't really know much about him, but I mean, if you get signed to a two-way, you have some sort of potential. So I'm going to let them have that. And then the day after July 7th, they finally did the impossible. They traded John Collins. Now, I think John Collins is a player where in the right system, he flourishes. Uh, Back when Atlanta was doing their playoff run, John Collins was a pivotal piece next to Trey Young. He's the reason why they went to go go and get 
uh, DeJounte Murray because they felt like they were one piece of way. I think John Collins is a good piece. I think ever since that playoff run, though, he's kind of declined a bit. Now it could be because of roll. The ball's less in his hands. But, I mean, he's been in trade rumors for the past three years, and what he got traded for was pretty sad. So on July 7th, the Hawks acquired Rudy Gay and a 2026 second-round pick from Utah for John Collins. Now, this was a move where they kind of wanted to shed salary. In one of my previous episodes, I talked about the salary cap and how there's a new bargaining agreement. That means there's a second threshold that teams cannot pass. Uh, that luxury tax, they cannot pass it or else they're basically not able to fix their roster at all. And the Hawks were unfortunately one of those teams. They were paying too many people, too much money. And John Collins was the person that kind of saw his foot out of the door. And I mean, to get a guy like Rudy Gay, who's at the twilight of his career, he's around 36, 37, and they're getting a conditional second round pick. So that means like it's probably protected in some sorts. It's not that good of a package in return for John Collins. This is a kind of move where you hope whoever you have in your roster already can come in and be that starting four. Um, we're going to go over the actual roster and, you know, the the build depth of them. Then in July 8th, so the day right after, they acquired Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba and draft considerations from Houston, essentially for nothing. Um, I thought this was a good move for them. Kind of take two young guys and, you know, hopefully get a flyer on them. Uh, I think it was reported that Houston, it's a rumor, obviously, but they had a deal in place with Brooke Lopez and then Brooke Lopez backed out of the deal. But Houston had a deal with Ty Ty Washington and Usman Garuba to the Hawks, basically, to shed some more money for Brooke Lopez. And Brooke Lopez obviously ended up signing with with the Milwaukee Bucks. He re-upped with them. And, you know, Houston didn't want to look bad with Atlanta, so they ended up still doing the trade. They didn't want to go back on their word, which, I mean, Brownie points to Houston, but, I mean, you ended up losing two guys who probably could have been solid. But Atlanta kind of does the wrong thing and ends up trading Ty Ty and Usman Garuba, reroutes them to Oklahoma City and Rudy Gay and the future second that they got in the deal. So basically everything they got from John Collins and that trade with Houston, they traded all that for Patty Mills. Now, Patty Mills is on the last year of his contract. He's a decent veteran. I mean... Like I said, you get your coach because you want to build a culture. And I feel Patty Mills, he's been in the Spurs culture. He was kind of the only sane person in Brooklyn when that big three was going on. So I do think that Patty Mills is a good role player for them. He shoots the three ball pretty effectively. Um, you just hope you don't see a decline in his game. But I mean, with how thin they are at point guard, besides Trey Young, I do like this move for Patty Mills. So I'll give that move a, a B plus. You know, it's it's good for now, but you just never know what's going to happen. And who knows, maybe if Patty Mills doesn't end up being what he is, he can always just be a salary basset in a trade. So now what I do want to go over is their depth chart. So this is all according to ESPN, and I'm going to give my two cents based off that. So their projected starting lineup would be Trey Young, DeJounte Murray at the two, DeAndre Hunter at the three, Sadiq Bey at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. I, I like that starting unit. Um, You got rid of John Collins, who was probably taking shots away from other people. I'm a really big guy on DeAndre Hunter. I think he was really, really good in year two, and then he got injured, and it kind of derailed him. But I do think he was showing flashes of a 16, 20-point-per-game score. If he can somewhat get back to that, that helps the Hawks out tremendously. I like Sadiq Bey in there actually more than John Collins, just I think because Sadiq Bey's skill set fits more of what Atlanta's trying to run. 
Atlanta runs a lot of threes, a lot of fast break. And I feel like Sadiq Bey can really fit that. He fits that mold really good. I was actually surprised he got moved to Atlanta. I'm surprised he was even available last trade deadline. So for them to get him and they can slide him in at power forward, I think it's really nice. I think the only problem with Sadiq Bey is he's on a one-year deal. So you're going to have to resign him. Uh, but I do think Atlanta is not a worried about not being able to resign him. I think they're going to try to do whatever they can. Um, one thing we didn't mention was they drafted Kobe Bufkin uh, with their pick in the in I want to say a little post lottery. I if you saw my mock drafts, I was super high on Kobe Bufkin. I think I had him even going in the lottery. He went just outside of the lottery. Um, I mean, I like his skill set. He's a six five point guard, combo guard. He can do a little bit of everything. He play makes, he dribbles, he shoots from really far. He has tremendous confidence. He had a solid summer league. Um, but you know, nothing too notable. But yeah, I really do like his game. I do think I did want to see him in a role where he would become the lead guard, but he's not gonna get that. He's backing up Trey Young and he's even backing up DeJounte Murray. So at that point, minutes are going to be really hard to come by, especially come playoff time. So you wonder how he's going to fit there. And they just even got Patty Mills. I just mentioned before, a veteran. Do I think he plays over Patty Mills? Probably. Uh, ESPN here have him slated as the backup point guard ahead of Patty Mills. But do I think Quinn Snyder will go for a more veteran? Probably. Uh, even though we did see Quinn Snyder play some rookies back in his Utah days, I just don't know if Kobe Bufkin really fits that mold. They're going to want someone that plays defense. And even though Patty Mills isn't the better defender too, I do think they'll just go for the experience over the rookie. But I, I do really like Bufkin. I think he can be that super six man for them if he develops correctly. I think he could be the starting point guard on most NBA rosters if he develops correctly. He's just that good. He's that crafty. They have at the backup two, Boyan Bogdanovich, three, AJ Griffin, four, Jalen Johnson, and five, Onyeka Okongwu. Now, I really, really like this you know, bench unit. I really do. They got a solid point guard. I like Boyan. I even think Boyan in some cases can start at the three, move DeAndre at the four. I really like Boyan's game. He's a, you know, he's just a sniper. He plays, tries on defense. I really like that. AJ Griffin is another guy who was, he was in and out of the rotation at times, but he's just a guy that you can ask and you will receive what you ask for. He is a Good three-point shooter. He tries on defense. Good length. I think he's around 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I really like that. You know, those type of wings are really hard to come by, and I really do like that for them coming off the bench. I could even see him, you know, if he develops really, really good, he can become their, their starting three. And then, like I said, move DeAndre Hunter to the four. Uh, I can see, you know, Atlanta, as I'm looking at this depth chart, they have a lot of wings and a lot of guards and then they have two true centers so they looks like they're going to be running a lot of four out which i'm not surprised john collins three point percentage went really really low so then again i'm not surprised he was the one that got the boot um jalen johnson at the back of four for them i really like that too um they got him a couple drafts ago he was a highly scouted prospect out of duke you know duke boys always end up doing good in the nba uh, he showed flashes last, last season as well I think he has potential to be really good. I mean, he just averaged 5.6 points. In the postseason, though, in six games, he shot 36% from three. But in the regular season, he shot 28%. I think Atlanta, however much he develops, can give him a real chance of them, you know, going forward. He's 6'8". He has a good wingspan. He's super athletic. I think 
if he takes that next step and becomes a reliable three-point shooter, I'm not saying knockdown, but, I mean, you can't leave him open, which he showed in the playoffs. Granted, it was only six games, but he showed that ability to knock it down. If he can knock it down at a respective clip, I think Atlanta has a really dangerous young four on their hands, and I think that then makes Sadiq Bay become expandable because Jalen Johnson, if he does develop, I think he has a better frame than Sadiq. He's taller than Sadiq. He's more athletic than Sadiq. I think Sadiq, all he has going for him is his three-point shot, his consistency. But even then, we saw in Detroit, at times, Sadiq was unable to shrink together multiple games of you know, good high-scoring numbers. So then you slot in Jalen Johnson with his versatility. I think that can make wonders for them. Onyeka Okongwu is someone I really, really like. He played with the Ball Brothers back in high school. And then he went to college, became a top. I want to say he was sixth or fifth in the draft. He's super high prospect. He has a high motor. He jumps really high. He showed that at USC, and he continues to show it. He has flashes in the NBA. I kind of want to see him be the starting center for this team. But, I mean, you're you're paying Clint Capella the big bucks, so you kind of want him to be the one that, you know, earns all those minutes. But I would not be surprised if Onyeka Okongwu, barring a trade for Clint Capella, becomes the starting five for Atlanta. And then, you know, they're third stringers. They got Patty Mills, Bruno Fernando, and they got Garrison Matthews, who they got in free agency also. Uh, I, I like Garrison Matthews, actually. I think he's a good shooter. But, I mean, nothing really, like, changing rotations much. I, when I look at this depth chart, I mean, I do see around seven to eight deep, you know, guys that you could play in the playoffs. Obviously, you got your five starters and then Boyan, AJ, and Okongu. So, like, eight players that's really, like, set. You have question marks on Bufkin and Johnson, but if they develop correctly, then you give them minutes. But I do see a solid eight-man rotation. I do see a possible 10-man rotation in the regular season, maybe even 11 if you play Patty Mills. I, I do see that. Now, this is also a team that when I was starting to do these free agency videos, I thought to myself, well, what if this team changes and they do a big move? Atlanta is a team that that can happen to. Now, because I'm doing this alphabetically, they're the first team, but they're actually one of the teams that are in trade rumors. They are interested in Pascal Siakam along with Indiana, but it seems like these two are the two suitors. Now, when I look at the depth chart, Pascal Siakam slides in perfectly to that four, where Sadiq Bey is and Jalen Johnson are. But the only thing is, in order to get something, you must get rid of something. Do I think Clint Capella and Boyan and like a young guy over to Toronto for Pascal work? Yes, I think Toronto's reasons for doing that is they get off the money of Pascal. They don't got to worry about paying him. They get a young guy in return. They get probably like either a Boyan or Clint just to make the money work. I do like that. My only thing with that is you make your team a lot more not as deep as it once was because hypothetically you'd be trading around two to three players to get that one guy. Now, I really do like Pascal. He had a really nice resurgence after everyone said that his championship year was a fluke and his most improved season was a fluke. Um, He had a really good bounce back, so I do like that for him. Although I do think it's weird how he doesn't want to leave Toronto at this point. You should leave Toronto. There is no ceiling there. They're clearly going youth movement, and you are the only thing hindering them from going to a youth movement. Um, It's okay to leave Toronto. I actually do feel like Atlanta is the best spot for him. But the thing that we need to understand, and I keep on going back to it, is in order to get something, you must throw away something. And 
I think if you add just Pascal Siakam to this roster right now, you move Sadiq Bey back to the bench and Pascal's your starter with the rest of the starting lineup and then that's your bench, that's a really good team. That's a top five team in the East. But you're going to be giving up Clint Capella, probably Boyan, and then like a young guy on top of that. That is, you're giving up valuable bench pieces in order to get a guy who it's been reported that he just he's not going to resign with anyone that trades for him now do i think once push comes to shove and the contract's in his face he's not going to sign it i do think he will he just gives me vibes of a loyalty uh type of dude so i do think whoever trades for him will end up being able to resign him i just think pascal next to trey young next to Dejounte, it works let me pull up pascal's numbers but i mean i don't see a reason why it wouldn't Pascal this season, he just finished off 24, 7, and 6, shooting 48% from the field. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. He shot 32% from three, so you would want that to go up even more. You worry about the spacing with him, and you would assume a Nick Okungu would slide into the starting center role. And you worry about the shooting because Deshante's not a good shooter. DeAndre Hunter's very streaky. But hypothetically, if you keep Trey Young, and I mean, yes, he's streaky, but DeAndre Hunter's still a good shooter. I, I don't know. I'm not going to be going into hypotheticals. I'm just going to be going over, you know, what the team is right now. And what the team is right now, they didn't improve. They kind of stayed afloat. They were the seventh seed last year. And I think a seventh seed is very much in consideration. I think their ceiling is the sixth seed, which is barely out the plan. And that's assuming Kobe Bufkin takes the leap. Jalen Johnson takes the leap, you know, Trey Young, DeJounte are healthy most of the year. Sadiq Bey takes the leap also. That's assuming all that. They're the sixth seed. I just think the East is so well balanced now that maybe a roster like this probably could have gotten you the fifth or fourth seed a couple years ago. But because of how deep the Eastern Conference is now, you just wonder, you know, like, is this really it? Their floor, I mean, I could see a 10th seed. I don't, I do think they make the play. I don't think they go out of that 10th spot. I was about to say 11th, but 11th, I don't think so. A lot of things would need to go wrong. Trey Young would need to be get injured. DeJounte, DeAndre Hunter, you know, he just can't stay healthy. He'll have to continue to show that, you know, and I feel like the development of guys that you'd expect, they just don't take that leap. A lot of stuff would need to go wrong. But then at that point, if all that goes wrong, then you're just considering them to be, you know, a, a lottery team this upcoming season, which I don't think they're going to be. I do think 10th seed. Once I finish all these team evaluations and where I think these teams did, what I think they need to do, I'm going to be doing a whole NBA evaluation. So I'm going to be giving you guys my predictions, uh, you know, standings. I'm going to give you guys MVP, rookie of the year, six man. I'm going to give you guys all those predictions. So that's going to be really fun. But, you know, I'm going to stick to my word now. And I do think Atlanta will be the seventh seed again. I just don't think that they're barring any crazy trade happening from now and the start of you know preseason and the season which is like in two months three months from now i think this is the team that we're going to be seeing for atlanta all right now that we finished uh the atlanta hawks in-depth analysis i do want to go over some nba news and some nba rumors now this part of the podcast will vary because you know nba news comes in and out and we just don't know what's going to happen from here to the next three months this is kind of the dead zone of the NBA. So I just kind of want to give you guys a quick rundown of what's been going on around the league. Summer League's about to wrap up. The Cleveland Cavaliers just secured a final spot in the Summer League. Imani Bates, 20 points, 
Really, really good showing in summer league. Looking like a, a real steal there for the Cavs. They signed him to a two-way contract. Isaiah Mobley also really, really good. He hit the game winner for them. Sharif Cooper didn't play, even though I think he should have. But, you know, that's none of my business. So I don't know why he didn't play. Another in more, you know, NBA actual related news, the Suns traded campaign and they traded him to the San Antonio Spurs essentially for nothing, essentially to create a roster spot. And with that roster spot, they signed free agent Bol Bol. A lot of people are overreacting to this signing, I think. Bol Bol is a fine young player. Um, He hasn't been able to, you know, put stretches together. He's been a bit inconsistent. Uh, You worry about his frame and stuff like that. But, I mean, the skill set is there. He's 7-2, the ability to dribble and shoot. Um, He had a really strong start to the season last year, and then it kind of just died down. And that was with Orlando. Once again, I do think, you know, the Suns are just doubling down on offense, and they have a coach who's Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded coach. You're giving him only offensive weapons. I mean, you can think, you know, Josh Okoge and Keita Bates-Diop and, you know, those type of guys, I guess. But, I mean, their starting point guard is Bradley Beal, as it was reported by Shams Charania. We're not going to go too much into depth because, as I just mentioned, we're doing in-depth to all teams. But, I mean, Bobo is a solid signing. Do I think he's going to play significant minutes? I think he plays 10 to 20 minutes. You know, it's a good signing. It's the veteran minimum. If he pans out, he pans out. If he doesn't, you can waive him, and it's fine. Good move for them. Now, campaign going to San Antonio. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Um, campaign about two years ago was on top of the world, backup point guard for a team that just went to the finals, uh, talking crazy to the whole league. And now he's back in San Antonio. Do I think San Antonio is going to be good? Once again, that's for the in-depth episode on San Antonio. I think San Antonio is going to be just fine. I don't think they're going to make any noise. I don't think they want to make any noise. I even saw some articles saying that they're going to load manage Victor Wembanyama, which do I think that's the smartest move? Probably not. You want to develop him. You want to get him as many reps as you can. But I do see San Antonio taking care of him a little too much. And that could honestly hurt his growth. But he's going to a situation where he's going to be the veteran. They're not going to win that many games. He's probably not even going to start on that team either because they just re-signed Trey Jones. It's just looking like campaign's time in the NBA is running out pretty soon. Do I think he can leave San Antonio eventually and become one of those buyout players that signs with the contender in the offs? in the middle of the season maybe he can uh that's obviously another topic for another video but yeah i i do think that was a that was as much nba motion as we've gotten in the past you know couple of days but good moves on both sides san antonio good pickup phoenix good pickup another nba related news i guess lebron james decided to change his number from number six to 23 he decided to honor the late great bill russell rest in peace and decided to move on from number six and go back to wearing number 23. Will this be LeBron's last season in LA? More than likely. I haven't heard from anyone specifically, but it's just if you put the pieces together, he wants to play with Bronny. I think it's a good move for him, you know, PR-wise. Great going back to number 23. I really do like that. Next on the free agency market, uh, we're starting to get some more news on Christian Wood. It feels like he's holding out for whoever can give him the largest contract. I do think all the offers he has now are veteran minimums, as does Kelly Oubre. 
The Mavericks still have their full mid-level exception, and the Bulls just got a 10-point-something player-disabled exception because of Lonzo Ball missing all of the next season. Do I think Christian Wood goes to the Bulls? Probably not. They just re-signed Vucevic to a big deal. They just re-signed Andre Drummond. There's real no you know, room for him unless he's just trying to secure money. And even then, you got to get the Bulls to offer him that, and I don't think they will. Next is the Dallas Mavericks. I do think it's been reported that they have interest in Kelly Oubre Jr. I like that fit for them, actually. They weren't able to sign Matisse Thybul. Portland matched. And I think bringing in Kelly Oubre could be pretty good for them. Another creator, another guy that can score. And worst case scenario, he becomes a salary basket for a midseason trade. I really do like that for them. He's a young wing. He just came off averaging 20. He tries on defense. And when he tries, he looks like a really complete player. I like this move for Dallas. I think Dallas should really consider giving him that mid-level exception. I think Chicago's just going to be using that disabled contract in the buyout market. It's always good to have it in your back pocket in case a surprise player, you know, jumps out and you really do want him on your roster and you give him that exception. He ends up becoming a vital piece for you guys and brings you over the hump. You never know, but that rarely happens in today's NBA now, especially with the new bargaining agreement, player signing for buyouts and getting buyouts is just something that's a lot harder to do. So, you know, we'll see what the Chicago Bulls end up doing with that. But that has been today's episode, the Atlanta Hawks in-depth analysis for their upcoming 2023-2024 NBA season. The next team is going to be the Boston Celtics. We're going to be going over their roster, what they did. They actually did a huge move in free agency. So I'm going to be talking over about what they did, what they can possibly do in midseason. I'm going to be really excited to cover them. Thank you guys so much for watching, though. I really do appreciate you guys. Remember, share the podcast with a friend. It's the First Pick Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Remember, share the link, subscribe, give a five-star rating, and also remember to follow the socials. The Instagram is at the underscore first pick pod and follow the Twitter. It's capital TF first pick pod. If you can't find the Twitter, head over to the Instagram, click the link tree in the bio, scroll, you'll see the Twitter, click the Twitter and then give us a follow over there too. Please make sure to also repost our stuff. That's kind of the way that we also grow too. Um, Right now is really just word of mouth. Um, we have some people repost it, but if you guys can hit us with the repost, that'd be really greatly appreciated. I always post whenever an episode comes out and I do get the engagement, but I would like to get you guys more involved. So I really would appreciate that if you guys can do that for me. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the first pick podcast. Peace.